Welcome to the Lightcast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gast, registered associate marriage and family therapist. I talk openly about mental health to normalize and cast light on the shadows of the human experience. Tune in for monthly episodes based on themes that intuitively arise for me personally and professionally. Disclaimer, the Lightcast podcast, including any references and resources, are for informational purposes only. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or intervention. My podcast may cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to abuse, suicide, violence, mental illness, sex, drugs, and alcohol. Your discretion is advised. this episode of the Lightcast podcast, I discuss how the fear of vulnerability can impact how much we take up space. I talk about how we can build protective mechanisms to keep us from feeling painful emotions in our bodies, and how the process of healing can feel like periods of uncomfortable growth. Hello, thanks for stopping in for a listen. It is the month of October. It's starting to get a little bit cold where I'm at, so it's really starting to feel like that fall season. And in line with fall spooky season, we're going to be talking about the spookiest thing of all, which is the fear of vulnerability um, and how that can end up leading us to a period of some uncomfortable growth. Um, and so I'm still working out how I like to share the themes that have been popping up for the last, you know, few weeks since the last podcast I recorded in September. And so I'm noticing my new way of kind of noticing what theme I want to do for the following podcast is... I kind of just jot down what I feel coming up, right? So I finished the the last podcast in September. And once I do that, um, I pull up my like little Google doc for the podcast and I kind of just jot things down as I start to see things come up, right? Like if I am feeling something myself in my own life and I feel like it pertains like, oh, that could be a theme. And then slowly, you know, I may leave a session or, uh, you know, leave a, leave my whole work week and see, oh, wow, you know, that was popping up a lot. And so what I've noticed is that that's kind of been my method is to jot some of those down kind of along the way. And it was really interesting looking back at it for this month to reflect on like what I was going to talk about, because although all of the things that I jotted down felt so separate, they were almost like this beautiful flow of, of things that kind of like bled into one another. And it felt like this connected, really, like it really just felt all of these things I wrote down ended up being connected by the time I had to record today. And I got to look through it and see, oh, wow, like every note I kind of jotted down felt like one step towards getting to the next part. Um, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right, but you know, it feels like I started at point A and then we end at point B, but somehow it was all really interconnected. So like I said, 
it can feel really difficult for people to express their vulnerability, um, myself included. And so that's why I think it's the perfect theme for this spooky month, because it can feel very scary. Um, And so how I was seeing this come up a lot was in fear of expressing emotion. I was seeing this come up with a lot of people I work with of their discomfort with taking up space to express their feelings, whether they wanted to take up space to express feeling anxious or sad or mad. There was this, you know, holding, holding back from feeling like they could even take up space and, you know, maybe let people in their life know you know, how they made them feel or, or even just for themselves, honestly, just to take up that space by themselves to say, okay, like this thing made me feel a certain kind of way. And let me just allow that emotion to come through. And oftentimes we may not go into that feeling because it feels very vulnerable. And so that's how I feel like at, at the core of it, you know, whether people are afraid to kind of take up space or express themselves, I think kind of deep down, if you kind of dig through the layers, there is this fear of being vulnerable. It is vulnerable to show up and say, hey, I need this space right now. I need to take this up. You know, that can be really vulnerable. You feel really seen and exposed and, you know, almost right? Like demanding of like, hey, I need this space and time right now. And that can itself feel like a wrong thing, depending on how folks have grown up, you know, their kind of conditioning in life, what they've been taught about their emotions. And so what I was noticing come up was for folks who were struggling to even take up the space You know, there was this idea of seeing other people take up space and kind of how they were reacting to that. You know, like my partner showed me this video, I guess that is like a TikTok uh, theme right now, or I don't know what you call it, like a a challenge or something like that, right? I'm not on it a lot, but um, he showed me how people were just kind of playing this sound and physically taking up space wherever they were. They weren't necessarily saying anything, but they were maybe in a public space or they were somewhere where they just kind of stood there and they let the passerbyers kind of go by them while this music was playing, but they were just taking up space. And I felt similar examples to that come up for, you know, people I was working with where they were noticing people who would just take up that kind of space. They would really express themselves. They would, you know, share when they thought they did something well, or they would, you know, express their needs. If they needed something, they would ask questions, right? And I was noticing that people's reactions to that were a lot of, right, like criticism. There's this like criticism of how dare this person like ask for what they need all the time, right? Like, wow, that person can be so demanding. They're speaking out for themselves a lot. They're they, wow, they, you know, they are, I don't want to say boasting, but they're, they're like saying, Hey, I did this thing. Well, 
right? And kind of like taking up that space to say, hey, look, I'm really proud of myself. And how it's interesting how other people's reactions to that can actually almost be this kind of negative response where they're like, wow, like that person's really thinking that they can take up all that space or talk about themselves in such a positive light. And even I had that reaction when I saw this TikTok where I was like, wow, look at these people just taking up space, like wherever they are, they don't even care about these people and where they've got to go. But even that, I had that own reaction come up for myself of like, oh, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with someone just saying, hey, I'm here, I'm taking up space and, you know, I'm not worrying about all the other people around me. You know, they have to also take care of themselves and they can move, they can walk around. It's not going to be the end of the world, right? But there's, there was something in that of why does it feel so wrong to take up that space? So I found myself uh, using this quote a lot with people I was working with when I started seeing this theme come up. Um, I'm not sure if I'm saying the quote just right, but the essentially the message is, you deserve half of what other people think they are entitled to, right? So the person who's like sharing their accomplishments or, you know, sharing when they need help, right? Or whatever it may look like. And sometimes it can come off almost as this like entitlement. Like who does this person think they are? But in reality, it's like, well, you could also take up that space, It doesn't have to just be that person who thinks that they're so entitled to it. You can also be entitled to that space. And so there's something in like, why, you know, a good reflection question would be, why do I feel bothered when someone takes up space? Am I not taking up enough space in my own life? And so that's where it comes into kind of connecting into how we deal with our feelings. So whether it be, like sadness, anxiety, you know, those emotions deserve to be felt if you're experiencing them. You deserve to accept that they're happening and honor the experience that you're having because emotions are all messages from our body that are telling us something. And yeah, a lot of them can be really uncomfortable, which I think is half the battle of learning to even love the ickiest of experiences and feelings that we may have, but know that they're they're trying to help us move through our life. One that I saw coming up a lot for this last month was anger. Anger, I was seeing show up a lot in how it was hard for people to express when they felt angry. And so when they don't express it, It just has been internalized and they went into a state of depression. And so it's like, we think that emotions, we can kind of just like push them away. Say like, okay, I see that I'm feeling that, but it's fine. I'll just like push that away. I don't need to be, I don't need to like give into that or whatever it is. However, anybody kind of gets themselves to like not feel the feeling, like not sink into it, not kind of give it its full course of like going through the motion and really allowing them feel what's coming up, that that emotion is going to find one way or another to come out and be expressed. So shoving them inside will just mean that they're going to find some other way to come out eventually. And I'm sure I think I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Um, 
But one example, like I, I love giving uh, in my work with folks is like road rage. I think that's a really good example because I think everybody from time to time has felt a little angry behind the wheel when they've been cut off or, you know, there's someone on the road acting a little crazy. <laughs> um, but sometimes, you know, what I've seen in road rage, it comes up as this like major visceral reaction, right? It's like, oh, you hit the wheel <laughs> or you want to like flip somebody off. I know that, at, you know, I know people do that, right? So road rage is like one way I see anger coming out a lot. And it comes out as this almost like, who does that person think they are that they cut off all these people because they're, they got somewhere extra special to go that nobody else is that important. Like we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to drive the same speed, right? There's almost like this feeling of why is this happening to me? Why is that why is that jerk doing that to me? What did I do to deserve to have that while I was just driving to work or whatever, right? So there's there's this feeling that I think comes up where, you know, we don't know what people are facing. I mean, we don't know what people are dealing with. Maybe someone was late to work. Maybe someone was having a really bad fight with their partner and they were an emotional mess driving to where they had to get to. Maybe someone had an emergency and they were driving to a hospital. It's like we don't really know what people's actions really reflect. They're they're really a reflection of their own experience. but, But in those moments, it can feel like it's almost like targeted at at you. It can feel like their expression, that maybe erratic driving or that choice to kind of cut in line or whatever, can feel like it's almost this direct attack or this direct dig at you. Um, At least with, with people who kind of experience like that road rage feeling, like really, like, come on. And I think that it kind of like, exacerbates like a feeling that maybe someone feels uh, a lot of the time that maybe it's not this just this one moment that this random driver who's you know doing whatever they're doing that makes you feel like you don't matter maybe there is a theme going on where in life you generally maybe just feel like wow do I really not matter that much or, you know, why, why does this bad stuff happen to me? Like, why do I get treated that way? You know, these are like really deep layers, right? These may not be like right at the forefront of your consciousness, but maybe if we're not, right, like sitting with your emotions, like through the experiences of your life of times where maybe you didn't feel put first or times when you felt like you were just not seen and like you didn't matter, that you weren't treated right. There can be all these experiences that we go through from day to day, right? And they can make us feel certain kinds of ways. And I think that's just one example of how I think sometimes like those deeper feelings can come out of if you don't kind of sit with that, you feel like that sometimes in your life, it may come out when that one person kind of cuts you off on the road and then it's like, oh, how that makes you feel really like comes out. Another example that someone 
kind of shared with me is like, they won't be upset at like bad things that happen. Like they can really be cool, calm and collected when going through kind of like a crisis or just when things are really bad, like they can really like handle their emotion, right? But it's when little things happen, like if something breaks or there's a minor inconvenience, like the technology is not working, kind of like one of those moments that that is when they lose their anger. They get really upset. They feel a lot of feelings from the little thing that happened, but they're like, whoa, <laughs> but, but how can I say so cool, calm and collected in the other you know, quote unquote, bigger, heavier kind of moments. But then this like one thing, like my technology is not working and all of a sudden I lose, I lose, you know, my ability to kind of handle that, you know? And that was kind of when I used the road rage example of, you know, maybe this person was really used to dealing with some really like, you know, unstable stuff going on in their life. There was a lot of crisis or a lot of anxiety. There was maybe a lot of, you know, a lot of emotion happening all the time. And that ended up becoming really normal to be able to just get through that. And maybe there was a lot of like internalizing of, you know, I have to get through these crises that happen time and time again. So I've learned to really, you know, keep my experience, the really painful experience of anxiety or anger or sadness, like inside, because I've had to just deal with how to get on. Oh, I'm sorry, a book fell. Um, right. But this, this person maybe got really used to internalizing their experience. And so when they got really comfortable with that, when like they'd have this minor convenience with their technology or or these little, little minor moments that it doesn't seem like that would set somebody off, but it's like, finally it's coming through. And it's like, finally, all those emotions that have been, you know, kind of internalized or stuffed inside or pushed or brushed to the side end up just finding its way through when there's this, this minor inconvenience that doesn't go well, then it's like, oh, it all comes out. Right. So that's kind of what I mean by they will find a way to come out even panic attacks. Now I've had someone who ex experienced their first panic attack recently. And a way that I tried to explain, you know, why sometimes those panic attacks kind of come out of nowhere. Oftentimes, if you've never experienced a panic, panic attack, they are not fun. Uh, they do genuinely feel like you're having a heart attack or you're dying. Like a lot of people experience that much fear when they deal with a panic attack. A lot of people end up in the ER uh, thinking that something's wrong. Um, and it comes on really unexpected a lot of the time. And that can be really scary for people to understand of like, you know, why did this happen? Uh, why did it happen unexpectedly? Is it going to happen again? And so in trying to help uh, this person understand, you know, why did it happen out of nowhere? I talk about how our nervous system can be kind of similar to a fault line when it relates to earth and earthquakes. 
And when we've been under a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, uh, maybe dealing with a lot of general distress and anxiety, and we're not really allowing those feelings their space to really accept them and go through them, maybe cry about it, you know, maybe yell into a pillow. Sometimes we all need that to like get it out. But if we're not giving it that space to take up space and feel that feeling, we can kind of just keep trekking along. And when it comes to panic attacks, it's almost like there's so much stress and tension underneath, kind of like the plates of the earth. There's so much tension and stress. And then eventually that stress needs to be relieved a little bit. And so just like an earthquake, there is this unexpected release of all that tension and pressure. And sometimes that can look like a panic attack because your nervous system couldn't hold it in any longer. And it needed to release some of all of that that has been kind of been holding on. So it is really important to take time to feel our feelings and know that everybody deserves to take that time to feel them and express them if there is also a need behind that emotion, right? Um, If you're feeling anxious, maybe the need is you want to feel some stability or everything feels a little uncertain. Maybe there's a desire for some control and uh, we need help in that way to feel like things are okay. Maybe there's a need to express behind that. You know, sadness, maybe something, maybe there was a need that wasn't met with somebody or something that you need to just honor that made you feel sad. And those tears just want to be let go and released. Even anger. Anger is a really motivating emotion. It's saying that I'm not getting my needs met and this literally motivating emotion with all this fire and kind of passion is, is signaling to me that I need to figure out what need isn't being met. And once you process through that feeling, okay, well, how do I express that need? Um, but kind of how this leads into some of that uncomfortable kind of growth is oftentimes we do go into a lot of protective mechanisms when we do share our feelings because a lot of time there is a fear of how someone is going to respond to that vulnerability essentially right you show up to somebody a partner a friend um, whoever, right? And you're you're expressing a really vulnerable emotion. Like that hurt me, you know? I felt really hurt by that. I felt sad when this happened. I felt really anxious when this thing happened, right? That's, that's really opening up and exposing the most vulnerable emotions that we can feel. And if we've learned through our life experiences, through conditioning of what it means to express your feelings, maybe just life experience of how people in the past have actually responded to those feelings, we can go into some really protective defense mechanisms when we are sharing our feelings. You know, one way I saw this come up, uh, not only for me in my life recently, but also with clients is like one of those ways is ruminating, 
ruminating on your thoughts, um, either beforehand or after you express. So how this shows up is like beforehand when you're not expressing your feeling or your need to somebody, you can almost ruminate on the fear, the thought, um, fear of even reaching out, fear of even being vulnerable. And so instead, it's like you'd rather go to your brain and your brain will just ruminate on, okay, well, maybe, maybe they just don't like me. Maybe, maybe um, they won't care how I feel. There's all these like ruminating thoughts that one can cycle through. And really it's like, how, how is that serving you? Well, what is the purpose of that? And it really feels like it's like your brain takes charge because it's like wanting to disaster plan. It's wanting to think, okay, this person's going to reject me anyway. If I'm vulnerable, this person is going to abandon me. Um, if I show them that vulnerability, And so the more and more I stay in my head, the more and more I ruminate on, you know, predicting how that person's going to respond, it serves as a protection because it's almost like beating the pain to the punch. It's like, oh, I'm already predicting that before I even am vulnerable, the person is going to not understand. The person is going to reject me. And so... By being up in my head and ruminating on on all of that, that is right taking me away from my body, taking me away from feeling how scared I am or how anxious one can be, right? We're not really sitting in our body and the feeling, but our mind just takes us up there. So now we're not even in the feelings of it, right? Because one would feel really vulnerable if they were to express themselves. And that can feel really scary when a lot of our trauma and our past experiences, uh, those things kind of live in our body, especially when we're vulnerable, expressing an emotion. That's kind of our heart space. You know, when when we feel hurt by something, we feel tender, really exposed and vulnerable. So a lot of times, rather than experience that, a protective mechanism is our brain will make us be in our thoughts. So like I said, how that can show up at least beforehand is basically predicting and being in your head and catastrophizing so that if the hurt does happen, it feels like it hurts less. It feels like, oh, well, you know, I already thought about that. I already predicted that. I already sat in my head and got myself really comfortable with the idea that it's not going to go well, that I'm going to be rejected or left alone. And even though that isn't helpful, it often adds to the pain. It often adds to the discomfort of what you're going through. But in essence, the brain thinks, okay, well, I'm protecting you because at least if I can predict that it's coming, maybe it'll hurt a little less. Right? That's like one way it can show up. The other way it can show up, I think, is after you've expressed your feelings after you have been vulnerable, after you maybe pushed past that fear of discomfort of being vulnerable with somebody and you've already expressed your feelings and shared, and the rumination can also start after that because now you've already been vulnerable. 
right? You've already exposed your most vulnerable feelings or your needs. And now you're just left with that fear of, okay, am I going to be rejected now? I've already done it. How is this person going to respond? And again, right, if you've experienced past experiences of being rejected or abandoned, judged, uh, criticized, um, maybe even got in trouble, I mean, there's like all these past experiences one can have about, yeah, well, how have my most vulnerable feelings been met in the past? So if you challenge that and you lean into that discomfort, you share that vulnerability, the protective mechanism can happen afterwards. And it's it can go back to the brain and think, hey, like I was just really vulnerable. Now that means I'm in danger. <laughs> and the brain can also ruminate in that sense of did I do something wrong? Is is something gonna is something bad gonna happen now that I've already expressed that vulnerability? Really feeling super exposed. And so the brain can really remove us from experiencing that emotion uh, just to protect ourselves. And so um, coming up time here on my anchor, I record 30 second or sorry, 30 minute periods. So we're coming up to the 30 minute mark. So I'm going to stop here and take a little break. And then when we come back, I'm going to talk about where that protection comes from and what happens when we lean into that discomfort of being vulnerable? Alrighty, so we left off talking about how we can form these protective mechanisms when we have a fear of vulnerability. And, you know, if you've been listening to my podcast and you know my therapeutic framework by now, I do a lot of inner child work. And whether it be inner child or inner teenager or inner college kid, there, there's a lot of time periods, right? It doesn't have to just start in childhood. You know, we experience painful things that happen all throughout our life, right? So this isn't just to say that these things do start in childhood. Oftentimes they do, um, but at the same time, these, these things can also happen these protective mechanisms can also start forming in other periods of your life as well. Um, but for the sake of my framework, I'm going to start with how a lot of these things can start in childhood. Um, and so how these protective mechanisms really get built is how I said, kind of like one, one experience after another kind of confirming that that protective mechanism works, okay? So, right, like maybe there was a time in childhood where one did express their feelings, maybe express their needs to a caregiver or maybe to a friend, right? There's, right, kind of replace, it could be anybody, right? But if we're talking about children, like, right, maybe it starts with trying to express needs to a parent, um, someone close to you. And, Maybe they didn't respond well. Maybe they thought you felt too much or, you know, what their emotions said about them. Um, you know, like, I do a lot for you. What do you mean that you don't feel this? There's a lot of ways people respond to children's emotions um, and 
and when we're just like peers, for example, right? When kids are growing up, you've got friends. We're all still learning every day how to commute in human with one another. Everyone's facing some kind of battle, right? So sometimes we don't always respond the best to people when they are in their most vulnerable. And when that happens, it can learn, it can really hurt. Right? It can feel like, wow, I was so vulnerable and I wasn't met with understanding. I wasn't met with getting my needs met, right? If it was a caregiver, let's say. And so maybe that's when a child may start to learn, okay, well, it may be safer for me to keep my feelings inside. It is actually worse when I try to express my need to my parent or caregiver and they they don't respond. It actually hurts more. I feel left alone. I feel abandoned. I feel rejected. And this feeling is actually worse than the feeling I felt before. So I would rather keep it inside and not express it. And so that's one way, right? Like if that happens time and time again, not even just in the household, maybe it starts to continue, becomes a theme in one's life when they interact with people. That protective mechanism of, you know what, I'd rather keep that inside and not share it. That can start to feel confirmed with each experience, right? It's like, oh, I didn't share my feeling. And you know what? I didn't feel that discomfort. So in my protective mechanism in my body, that feels like, cool, that was good. Let's keep doing that. (laughs) That worked for me. That made me feel safe. Uh, That didn't make me feel vulnerable and left alone. So I'm going to keep doing that. Right? Like that's what your brain, that's what your protective mechanisms that go into play. That's kind of, I'm narrating what they may say, right? It's like maybe kind of that example that I gave before when I ruminate and ruminate and kind of try to predict that it's not going to go well, it's not going to go well, you know, they're not going to respond well. I'm already going to be left alone. However, that rumination, anxious rumination can show up in your mind. And then let's say it kind of feels like this self-fulfilling prophecy. And let's say that person didn't respond well. Your brain goes, yep, I was right. Mm -hmm. See, they did respond that way. So it's almost like confirming for your protective mechanism. Like, good. It was good to ruminate. It was good to sit and stew in all of the worst possible outcomes because look, one of one of them ended up coming true. So from there on out, right, if that ends up becoming a pattern in your life of, you know, I feel safer when I go to my head and I start to worry about all the ways it could go and I start to already just prep myself for the worst case scenario. And when the worst case scenario does happen, it's like, check, confirmation. I have every right to feel that anxious beforehand and I should continue to do that. Because even though it hurt either way, at least knowing that it's going to happen feels a little safer, just a little bit more safe. So when those experiences happen time and time again, it can feel like confirmation for that protective mechanism, like it served me and I'm going to keep doing that. 
again, right, really unconsciously, not conscious choices a lot of the time, because these protective me mechanisms really come in as these unconscious things that are really trying to just protect us at the time. And so knowing that that is kind of how those mechanisms go, what I've been seeing come up a lot as well is like, whether it's my clients, whether it's me, there's this feeling of, okay, I know that I protect myself that way. Like I know where this feeling comes from. I know, you know, I know how I came to kind of be this way. Like I know the experiences in my life that led me to have this protective mechanism. I know that I'm actually doing the protective mechanism, but what do I do now? Right? Like I still have this feeling and what do I do with it? And so that's how it kind of connects into that uncomfortable growth that comes from feeling your feelings and doing something differently. So a lot of what I'm seeing come up now is like a lot of my clients feel their feelings now. Um, maybe as before, like we were trying to like get to that place where let's allow the feeling, let's, let's experience the emotion, let's allow it to be there, right? And like done that work, even I can reflect for myself, right? Like that's the, that's the chapter I feel really confident I've done with my own work as well as like feel your feelings, you understand where they come from. But even when you understand, right, that's still the mind. The mind can comprehend. The mind can understand, conceptualize, make sense of, and rationalize why we do the things we do. But what the mind can't do is feel, right? That is the heart's job. And again, when we leave our mind and into our body, I think that's kind of the next step for that deeper growth, but often can be the most uncomfortable and scariest part of the healing process because we're out of the mind and we're going into the body, the body that remembers how painful these feelings are and the body that knows what protective mechanisms make it feel safe, even though it may not be serving them anymore. So I posted this on my uh, therapy Instagram, Stephanie G Therapy, where um, is this beautiful poem. I won't remember the name of the person right off the top of my head, but it's on my Instagram. And it was like the three paths to healing. And it essentially talked about, you know, letting your feeling come in, letting it teach you something. But the third part, and I think the hardest part kind of related to what we're talking about today is not letting that feeling overstay. So like I said, I'm noticing this theme of people are starting to feel their feelings. They're feeling it. But how do you now not let that feeling overtake you? How do you, you're feeling that feeling? Well, how do you not let it consume you? And maybe that rumination seeps in, right? It seeps in and the rumination won't stop. How, how do you do that? How do you shift that when you know why you feel that way? When you understand, right? Like what led you to feel this way and cope this way, but you want to do something different. You don't want to feel that way anymore. I think that is where that deeper level of growth takes place because you're trying to do something different. 
You're trying to respond to your feeling in a different way. So you've let the feeling come in and maybe there's some unhealthy cycles that you find yourself falling into. Maybe there's self-punishing cycles where you stay in your head and you're mean to yourself and you don't talk kindly and you're beating yourself up for something you did um, or something you didn't do or you know, you're feeling, you're feeling, and now it's just taking over. Now it's like, I've let myself feel my sadness and depression, but now I just can't get up out of bed. Like I can't drag myself. I know I need to, I know I need to get out of bed and I know I need to get moving and do all the things that are going to feel good, but I just can't get myself to do that because it feels uncomfortable. It feels different than what I'm used to doing when I feel this way. And that is when I think of this kind of like neuropsychology aspect of healing on something that I thought was really profound when I learned about it, when I heard it explained this way. So when we talk about those protective mechanisms, those ways that got kind of confirmed time and time again of how you deal with your feelings, even though they may not be the most healthiest, right? that those were kind of described as these neuropathways that were created in the brain. And I believe they described it as like snow, like grooves in the snow, right? So these experiences, if you've had these vulnerable feelings come up and you've seen how they're responded to, you've built a coping response mechanism, whether that's, you know, stewing in that depression and, and, and being mean to yourself or ruminating anxiously um, and not letting yourself let go, whatever it looks like, that neural pathway may have been that groove in the snow, let's say, right, in your brain is like really deep. So it's been confirmed time and time again. Your protective mechanism seems to work time and time again. So there's this groove in the snow of how you respond and behave to that experience that is really deep, right? If you try to go somewhere else, it's going to naturally kind of follow that groove in the sand because it feels familiar. Even if it may not be the healthiest thing for us, it still just feels familiar. So talk about that with my clients of when they're trying to <clears throat> step out of that unhealthy cycle for themselves when they're trying to let go of like these self-punishing cycles they get into it can be really challenging because it's something different <clears throat> excuse me it can feel like they are trying to form a new groove in the snow but it's very shallow right because it hasn't had these years and years of experience to feel comfortable in so healing and choosing to respond differently can often feel like that battle of trying to form a new groove in the snow, but maybe due to discomfortability, that's that we fall into that natural groove that just has been there and it's really deep and ingrained in us. And so really healing and, and integrating that into our body, really embodying a new way of going about that feeling and experience feels like making that new groove in the snow. 
creating new neuropathways in the brain of this is how we can heal. I don't need to keep going into that groove of self-punishing and being mean to myself or, you know, internalizing my feelings and not feeling what I'm going through. That can be a really just repetitive, comfortable place to be. But when we want to do something different, it, it forces us to take a new path. It forces us to uncomfortably grow through whatever painful or uncomfortable experience we're going through. And it forces us to try to make those new pathways. We really have to want it for ourselves to say like, this is so uncomfortable that I'm sitting with this emotion, that I'm actually choosing to love myself and be kind to myself rather than be mean to myself right now. That can feel like a huge battle for some folks if they've been really used to being one way with themselves and dealing with that emotion. And when we do that new neural pathway, when we try to make that new groove in the snow, it can feel really uncomfortable, right? It's unfamiliar. Maybe you're sitting in the emotion more and maybe you're not falling into those protective mechanisms of going to your mind and ruminating. Now you're trying to sit in your body Maybe now you catch yourself. You're like, okay, I know that I do that. I know that I go to my mind and I let my thoughts just catastrophize and sit there. And now you try to anchor it back down of, okay, don't go to your mind, go to your body. Go to your heart. Breathe into your belly. How is this making you feel? And maybe you start to cry. Maybe you start to actually feel everything that you're feeling rather than staying inside your head. And that can be hard to do. Again, right? When you feel really vulnerable, when maybe feeling those feelings has never felt comfortable, has never felt safe. And so doing something different, choosing to be in that discomfort is how we kind of start to build that resilience. How we start to teach our bodies that, hey, you can handle that. You can handle that uncomfortable emotion and you can choose to do something differently. You don't have to be mean to yourself. You don't have to escape to your head or dissociate or internalize your feelings. You can feel them. You can be in them. And maybe it will feel for a small period of time, especially in the beginning when you first start to do this, that it feels unbearable. <laughs> Like it feels like you're not going to be able to get past this feeling because it is so darn uncomfortable. It really does feel like this wave, right? And sometimes it feels like we're going to, if we let that emotion in, we're just going to be taken over by that wave. But when we start to allow us to ride that wave of emotion, let it through the way it wants to come through, crying it out, you know, whatever, whatever you need to let it out, of course, in ways that aren't going to harm yourself or other people, right? It does feel like it gets to this peak. But, but when we let ourselves get to that peak, we also get to the other side of that where it starts to feel like a come down. We ride that peak and its most uncomfortable sensations in our body. And then 
once you get through that, you can feel this really cathartic feeling of release. And wow, that pressure that was just building up behind this wall has actually been let go. And I got through it. It actually is subsiding now. And I actually feel better. And that's possible to feel, right? But how will we ever know that if we don't challenge ourselves to be so uncomfortable during that peak and allow that feeling to come through the way it wants to be expressed and let out And we start to teach ourselves that, wow, I can go through that. I can experience that distressing, uncomfortable feeling and get past it. I don't have to go to those protective ways that have kept me safe all of this time. Even though they haven't been helpful for me, you know, they maybe just felt really safe. And you know what? I'm starting to learn that I don't need to go down that way anymore. Um, yeah, so, sorry, there's a little doggy that is just barking up a storm outside. Um, so that's what I mean by that uncomfortable growth. Um, there's really this balance of, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to feel my feelings, but at what point am I going to, not let that feeling take over me and essentially kind of trigger you, right? Like trigger the body's old trauma responses or uh, fear responses that there's something that's gone wrong now that you're in such a vulnerable state that it can feel so scary um, that it really feels like You know, I have to protect myself instead of go through this. So it really does take a lot of that discomfort of facing that vulnerability, accepting it to come through. And once you know, like, okay, I know that I I go this way, I can see that these things, these protective mechanisms have really been serving to try to protect me, but they're just not working for me anymore. You know, like, I thought they were helpful, but I need, I need to do something differently. And unfortunately that may mean to step into that uncomfortable period of growth of, okay, what is it going to look like for me to handle this differently? What is it going to look like for me to feel my feeling, but not try to escape it now, not try to numb it away, not try to minimize it or, um, stay in my head and worry about it uh, or punish myself and be mean to myself and my head for having it or not letting it just consume me and take over me and overwhelm me, right? There's something to like, okay, I've allowed it to be here, but you don't want it to overstay its welcome, right? Because that can also lead to some painful just right? Because these fear of vulnerability can judge us from really vulnerable wounds and emotions. And as much as our feelings want to be felt and accepted, we also don't want them to run our life and consume you to the point of, right? Like, I don't feel like I can handle this emotion. So it is important to start when you feel safe. Maybe it's in therapy, maybe it's with a safe person, 
but allowing those moments of vulnerability to start feeling that feeling so you can start to build that resilience to go through that emotion and know when it's gone, you've ridden that wave, you ride that wave, and you built the resilience and the tolerance to go through that discomfort. And you're also now doing uncomfortable things that are maybe different than your normal ways of coping with it. And those feel uncomfortable. Um, but oftentimes that can lead to you going out of your comfort zone. And that means growing. And that's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing because if you're not growing in this life, we're, we're kind of staying in the same place. And, you know, someone had said that it's like, if you're not growing, you're decaying. And it's kind of true, you know, because if you're not choosing to grow, you may sit in that place that doesn't serve you anymore. And it, and it can cause damage, right? Talking about the person who has panic attacks or has negative self-talk. If we don't learn how to grow past that, it's just going to make us suffer, right? So it's like kind of choosing the suffering that is going to be most worthwhile, right? We can sit in that suffering of how we normally have handled things, yeah, you can sit in that your whole life if you want to, but you're going to be experiencing the same suffering, the same outcomes, the same painful, painful suffering with no kind of reward. You're not going to reap anything from that. You're just going to be in the same place of suffering. So it's like the suffering to choose to stay where you are or the suffering you choose to grow. And when you choose that suffering to grow, do something different with that experience. Try to learn how to handle those emotions differently for yourself. Sure, it's still going to feel like suffering. I'll be honest with you, right? Like it can kind of feel like it gets worse before it gets better. But that suffering will lead to different outcomes. Maybe challenging an area that has been begging to be challenged and helping you grow through these past wounds that maybe have been keeping you back. And once you've gone through them, you know, maybe then you can say, you look back and, oh, I can't believe I didn't think I could do that. I had never thought I was going to be capable of getting through that. And, you know, it takes a little bit of support, right? So that's why I say like a trusted therapist or a good friend or someone you feel comfortable being vulnerable with. Um, but of course, if you're dealing with some deeper, deeper stuff, having someone who's trained to guide you through some of those painful emotions is, is always a great way to start and kind of build that safety, right? So, um, that's always kind of the disclaimer I want to give when I talk about feeling your feelings, because, um, there are some feelings that really do feel so painful that we can't escape them. And so it is always great to have a trusted, um, you know, professional as well to be able to be there with you while you start to challenge, you know, the old ways of sitting with that feeling and learning how to adapt in healthier ways, how to challenge yourself to let go of those, you know, unhealthy or maladaptive ways of coping with the feeling. 
Um, but first, it starts with feeling that safety. It starts with that safety of feeling vulnerable. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lightcast podcast. Remember, new episodes are out monthly. You can also visit me at my website, www.stephaniegtherapy.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Stephanie G Therapy. Take care. Thank you.